Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Perringer. I'll turn to Romans 8 this morning, and I'll read verses 1 through 11 here in just a little bit. If you've ever seen the movie or read the book, The Hobbit, you know a little bit about the story. Bilbo Baggins is, is a hobbit, little short dude with furry feet. And, uh, you know, his life is pretty content. He just kind of hangs out, lives a quiet life like most hobbits do, because hobbits don't do anything exciting, and they most definitely don't go on adventures, as it is constantly repeated, even though they keep getting pulled into one, don't they? See, hobbits didn't do adventures until the wizard Gandalf had come, and he hired Bilbo to be a thief to help a band of dwarves reclaim the lonely mountain from the dragon's smog and reclaim the rule of their land. Once Gandalf had convinced Bilbo to join them, Bilbo started on a great journey. A journey that promised plenty of adventure, but it promised reward at the end. There was also lots of danger, too. But there was the promise of reward. And as the first as the title of the first movie tells us, it was an unexpected journey. We too are called on a journey. You know, sometimes we talk about life, that life itself is a journey, but the problem is so many people in this journey, they don't know where to even begin, and they have no idea where they're headed. And so life just kind of happens. What's happening? Life is just kind of happening. Life happens to them. But there's a whole lot more than just stagnation of life. See, God calls us to go on a journey with him. The problem is very few people join him in that call and in that journey. They'd rather stay home and be comfortable. I guess if I'm going to just jumble up a whole bunch of metaphors together, people would prefer to stay in the slaughterhouse than make their way to the castle. They want to stay where they're comfortable, even though it will end in their death, rather than go out and find the glory that awaits. God calls us to a journey. I call it an unimaginable journey because, well, the journey that God calls us to, it's not anything that our human imagination could come up with. We have no idea what God has in store for us on this journey. Because, yes, no, not, not all the journey is good. I mean, you look at what Bilbo went through and the dwarves, how many orcs and monsters and other things that they ran into. There's lots of ups and downs. In fact, John Bunyan, the Puritan, he wrote a famous analogy of the Christian life called the Pilgrim's Progress. And in it, he describes the journey. I mean, this is the journey. This is the journey of the Christian life. And it has perils. It has dangers as well as fun and excitement. And so here we are. We are invited on a journey. But now some of us, we answer the call to the journey but then we think that we know better than God, and so we're like, well, I'm going to go in the path and the direction I want to go in. Well, no. 
God's the one that called you to this journey. He's the one that determines where you go, what you will do. If you follow your own path, all it does is lead to frustration. Many of us have been there. And the funny thing is, you know, we humans, we're kind of stubborn. And so we know if we follow our own path, it's just going to lead to frustration. But what do we do anyway? Well, I know better, so I'm going to do my own thing. And then we get frustrated. Why, Why is my life so frustrating? Are you doing your own thing? Yeah, okay, well, there's the problem. It's God's journey. And he calls you to it. See, the, yeah, okay, the journey that God calls you on, there, there's valleys. Don't think you'll run into orcs or dragons or anything like that, at least not physically. But you know what? There's also great joy. And, and the thing is, it, it's with God where you find your true sense of joy and contentment. You know, we think, okay, if I do my own thing, I'm going to find joy and contentment. No. It's only when you follow God, follow his path, and follow his ways. And so Paul, I mean, he talks about the Christian life and the great journey that it is and the promise that at the end there is great reward. And we follow God's path. You know, when you join God on the journey, it's not that conditions on this earth all of a sudden change. Like, okay, I'll follow God and then all of a sudden my life is whole and complete, and ooh. I, there, are, there are ups and downs. There are valleys and mountains. But here's the thing. God walks with us. Isn't that what he says in the, in the Psalms? Even when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. So God's with us, and he supplies us everything we need from, for beginning, from beginning to end on this journey. But the question is, one, will you follow him? And two, will you follow his directions and will you follow his path? And so I want to use that, you know, the, the metaphor of a journey in this and what Paul tells us in, in Romans 8. And I think it gives us some great insight, even though Romans is one of those books where, I mean, it's just, it's like you just dropped in the middle of the ocean and there's all this depth around you. But there's some wonderful things here as well. And I pray that what Paul says is a blessing to you to help you. One, to encourage you to be on this journey, and then two, to help you as you are walking this journey. And what's expected of you on this journey and how you're empowered for this journey. And so I want to read Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 11, if you'll stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word as I read these 11 verses. And Paul says here in Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the thing, things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. 
For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, what wonderful promises are given that as we join you on this journey, we have life. We have true life. We have life as you intended it to be. And I pray, Lord, that not only do we join the journey, we follow you on the journey and not wander, turning to the left or to the right from where we ought to be. Give us that power. Give us that willingness, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Now, in the chapter that came before this, in chapter 7, Paul, he, he describes this frustration uh, of trying to follow God's ways and trying to follow God's laws and commands in our own power and strength in, in the flesh. And he laments that, okay, the things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I do, and the things that I do want to do, those are the things that I don't do. And so it's all about living in your own power living in the flesh, living according to the nature you had before. And guess what? It's not working. And so, you know, it's like he's crying out, who is going to save me from this hamster wheel of nonstop motion, but I'm not making any progress? Who, who's, gonna, who's going to save me from this? Who's going to deliver me from the rat, rat wheel, so to speak? Well, he gives the answer, and you know, he, as he gives this answer, he, he describes this journey, this Christian journey, and there's three aspects of the journey that I want to touch upon this morning. First, we learn that the journey begins at the cross. The journey begins at the cross. So at the end of the previous chapter, he cries out, wondering who's going to save him from this body of death that will not allow me to follow God's laws. He doesn't have the strength to do what's required by God's laws what God requires, what it is that he, he, he desires from people. And so is there any hope? He's wondering. And then he answers his own question. I mean, yes, there is hope. It is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And maybe many of us are frustrated like Paul. You know, I want to do good, but I don't do good. I, want, I don't want to do bad, but I still do bad. And I know if I do bad, that leads to my death and judgment, so, so what do I do? Where, wherein lies the answer? And, and his answer is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And when you are saved, Paul gives us one of the greatest promises that you are ever going to find in Scripture here in verse 1. I mean, yeah, okay, before you lived your life as a rebel, before you willingly broke God's laws. You're under his judgment. I mean, God is just. He has to judge those who break his laws. But in Christ, you are no longer under that judgment. 
Because Paul says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. A complete salvation. You are completely free from God's judgment. I mean, you, me, we were lawbreakers. We had no power in ourselves to do any good. Paul says you are not under the condemnation of God's just wrath. How could that be possible? I mean, okay, you say that's in Christ Jesus. I mean, how is that possible? What does that mean? Well, in verse 2, he says that in Jesus Christ, you have been set free from the sentence that you deserved. And he further explains in verse 3 that God's law, which determines what's good and bad. By the way, God's the one that determines good and bad, not you. Definitely not the government. God does. He says, God's law, which determines what's good and bad, could not empower you to follow and obey. Because all the law can do is tell you what law you broke. That's all the law can do. Can't do anything else for you. But you have been set free in Jesus Christ, our Lord. He says here that God sent his son to take on sinful human flesh. And even though he was in sinful human flesh, he did not sin. And Paul says elsewhere that Christ, who knew no sin, became our sin for us. And here it says that sin was condemned in Christ's flesh through his death on the cross. Christ became our sin so that the condemnation that was due to us would fall on him and not on us. And so now the only way to be on the journey and the only way to walk with God, he talks about walking with God here, is if the burden of your law-breaking, the burden of your sin is lifted off of you, you cannot follow God when your sin is still on you. The only way to join God on this journey is if that condemnation, his just judgment, is taken off of you and given to another because he can't just let sin go by with a wink. Uh, okay, I'll just, I'll just forgive you. His justice must be met. And you are under the chains of that justice until the chains are broken free. And that is through Jesus Christ. Our sin placed on him, he dies. Justice is served. So either the sinner pays the price or Christ pays the price. We pay the price ourselves, another one pays the price, the price has to be paid and Jesus paid that price. And so you start your journey when the burden is lifted off of you, the burden of sin is lifted off of you and you are set free. Bilbo had to start his journey from his Little home in the Shire. We have to start our journey, but our journey starts with Christ. And this ought to be exciting to you, and it ought to be freeing to you to know that now your sin in the past, your sin in the present, your sin in the future has all been taken off of you and placed on him. You will not be condemned because it's been placed on Jesus Christ. 
And so here's the wonderful thing. When God looks at you, he is no longer looking at an object of wrath as he was before. He is looking at you as an object of eternal love. Now, there's just a few things that I want us to take away from this fact. First, I want you to find peace in this. I want you to find peace in Christ to know that you are eternally secure. Because once God's condemnation has been lifted off of you, it will not return. We don't have to wonder. Well, we'll, you know, I I tripped up, I stumbled. I mean, will God come back at me? If you have truly trusted in Jesus Christ, you are secure, you're not under condemnation, and, and just knowing this allows you to be free to live as God created you to be. Now, here's the thing. Satan, he wants to trip up your walk, and so he is going to come at you, and he is going to remind you of all that you've done before, all that you're currently doing, and he's going to try and tell you a lot of lies that, well, look, if you truly were saved, you wouldn't be thinking this, doing this, having this attitude. You must not be saved. God hates you. And then he'll tell you the lie. You're still under God's condemnation. And we just have to go with the truths of Scripture. Look, be gone with you, Satan. We are told in Scripture, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm in Christ Jesus. Guess what that means, devil? There is no more condemnation in me. And so be secure in that because, yeah, you... Satan, I mean, I don't know how he works, but I mean, he does put a lot of thoughts on our heads and, and things like that. We, we don't have to worry that, that, you know, someday God just gets frustrated. I mean, if you're a parent, you know how you get frustrated with your kids and you're just like, oh. <laughs> you know, we don't have to worry that someday God's just going to be so frustrated with us, he's just going to throw the gauntlet down on us and say, you know what, forget it. This person, they, they just ain't worth the trouble. He'll never do that. You are an object of his love. Christ died for you. I love how Charles Spurgeon kind of brings this out. So we understand what this means, that there is no condemnation, and we don't try and add things that aren't there. Charles Spurgeon had this to say about the promise in verse 1. He says, now, it does not say there is no accusation against us. I mean, there is. It does not say there is no corruption or nothing worthy of condemnation, because there is. Nor does it say they shall have no affliction, trouble, or fear of condemnation. But it says here there is no condemnation. And so it doesn't matter how you feel. It's the matter of the truth. Well, If I'm in Christ, there is no condemnation. I don't care how I feel. I don't care what lies Satan says. There is no condemnation. So I want you to take that away from this portion, but there's another thing I want you to take away, is that if God does not condemn the Christian, who are we to condemn the Christian? It is not for us to judge others who are on this journey. You know, I'm talking about other Christians. We were somewhat joking about it earlier in in our life group this morning, but sadly enough, it's not a, a, a joke that we are so quick to, if someone doesn't believe the exact same things that we do, yes, there's the important things of who Christ is and what he did and 
the virgin birth and, you know, things like that. But, you know, if, if someone doesn't believe the way I do about the end times, if someone doesn't believe the way I do about the things of grace, Calvinism, Arminianism, whatever, well, they're a heretic. You know, we're, we're in our day and age, we're, we, now, there are false teachers we've got to be aware of. There's no doubt. But we're so quick to judge other Christians. Social media is a cesspool of that. If God doesn't condemn them, who are we to condemn them? So we got to be careful about that. We want to encourage other Christians. We want to correct them where they're wrong. We want to help them, but we are not in a position to judge or condemn those who are Christians. So that's how we begin the journey, because we begin the journey with Christ. The condemnation is taken off. We are free to walk with God. But that's only the beginning. Because the second part of the journey I want to talk about today is just to let you know that the journey continues in obedience. Now, obedience doesn't keep you on the path, but we are called and we are on the journey so that we will obey. Now, looking at the book of Romans, it, it, a good portion of the book of Romans, it ha has to do with the relationship of God's law with humanity. And he spends some time talking about the fact that everyone is condemned under the law because everyone has broken the law. And he talks about the fact that, you know, you can't get saved from God's wrath by following the law because you already broke the law and you're, you're not able to follow it. No one is in the flesh. And, and you know, he, he just talked about the frustration of, well, like, you know, I'm trying to do good, I don't do good, and I try not to do bad, but I'm still doing bad. And, and we're not able to do it. But there's a problem. He says the law is good, he says the law is righteous, and the law actually does tell us how we're supposed to live. So there, 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 there just seems to be the, the, this conundrum here. The law is good, but I can't follow the law. So what do we do? Well, this is why we need Christ. You start your journey by faith in Jesus Christ, the one who actually did follow God's law, who is the perfect God and who was the perfect sacrifice. But then Paul says in verses 3 and 4, that Christ condemns sin so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So the righteous requirement of law can be fulfilled in us. So I want you to hear this. By faith in Christ, we are given a right legal standing before God, as if we had followed the law even though we didn't. But now, by faith in Jesus Christ, we are changed, we are made new, he says elsewhere in 2 Corinthians, we are made new, and we are actually given the ability to follow the law. The law that we couldn't follow before, we can now, but how in the world does that happen? Well, Paul says it's because of the Holy Spirit that we're given when we come to faith in Christ. According to verse 2, the Holy Spirit applies Christ-saving work into our lives when we first believe, and now with the Holy Spirit indwelt within us, we are able to fulfill the righteous requirement of the law, not in order to be saved, but because we are saved. And what Paul says is that a successful Christian journey, if you want to do it right, is walking in the Spirit, walking in obedience with God by the power of the Spirit. 
And he contrasts two ways of living, two ways of walking. There's the way of the flesh and there's the way of the spirit. The way of the flesh is living according to the sinful nature. The flesh is blind to God's ways. It's deaf to God's words. The flesh wants its own way. The flesh wants its will to be done. The flesh cannot please God. The flesh cannot obey God. The flesh cannot follow the will of God on the journey. And the flesh cannot think the thoughts of God. And in fact, we're told in verse 7 that the way of the flesh is hostility toward God. And God is hostile toward the flesh. And so Paul says it is the way of the Spirit. Having the indwelt Spirit within you when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and then living by the Spirit, living in His power. It is the way of the Spirit where you're able to fulfill the law and think God's thoughts and obey God's ways. In the Spirit, your eyes are open to God's will and your ears are open to God's word. In the Spirit, you seek to please God and fulfill His purposes. It's when you're in the Spirit that you're able to please God, obey God, follow God, and have the mind of God. It's in the Spirit. And Paul says in verse 9, if you are a Christian, you are in the Spirit, not the flesh. With the fine point here, the fine print, if the Spirit of God resides in you. But if you do not have the Spirit of God, you do not belong to God. And so what, you know, how do you know? Well, what is your ultimate desire? Not how necessarily you feel all the time. But in the ultimate scheme of things, who are you wanting to please the most? Do you want to please yourself the most? Or do you want to please God the most? Because the Spirit will seek that you would please God and you would fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. You will want to follow his commands. You will want to do good. Now there's a few, again, fine points or aspects about this that I want to mention. First, we do not follow the law in order to get right with God or to get in his good graces. In fact, that would be the opposite of grace. We follow the law in the power of the Holy Spirit so, I mean, just to use a human metaphor, so that we could put a smile on God's face. We want to please Him. We obey Him because nothing pleases God more than when he, pleases God more than when His children are obeying Him. Nothing gives Him greater joy or pleasure than if we would follow His ways. Or, as John Piper puts it, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. And so. We love our Father because of who He is, because of what it is that He has done for us in Christ. And it is our joy to please Him. We don't do it out of obligation, we do it out of love. I love my Heavenly Father. I want to please Him because of who He is and what He's done. Now, another aspect worth mentioning is something that is just the age that we live in, it is becoming so blatant. And here again, I'm, you know, I'm not walking back the thing I said about calling out people as heretics and judging people like that. But there are Christians out there, people who claim to be Christians, 
who believe, I'm thinking of the way to word this rightly, there's Christians out there who believe that you can just blatantly and flagrantly break God's law now that you say you have followed Christ. Let me, let me try and word this rightly in, in, in a way. They say that, well, you know what? I mean, Christ died and all that, but you, you can just live whatever way you want to now. You can have whatever lifestyle you want. You can have whatever attitudes you want. You can just whatever. But Paul says here, that's not living in the Spirit. That is not living in, 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 in the Spirit. He, I mean, there's the contrast. There's the flesh and the Spirit. When you live in the flesh, meaning you live in the sinful nature, you take on the mind of the flesh, meaning, you know, your thoughts reflect the sinful nature, and then that means you're on the path of death. I mean, that's, you're on the path of condemnation. Why? Because you're still hostile toward God. If, if you have come to Christ and the Spirit is dwelling within you, even though you don't do it perfectly, at least you have the desire to follow what His commands are. But if you claim that you're a Christian and you think, well, you know what? I know God says in His Word, I shouldn't live this lifestyle or believe it, whatever, but you know what? I, I really don't care. I can do whatever I want. That's not the Spirit. If you had the Spirit, you wouldn't want to walk that way and you wouldn't want to think that way. I know that's not popular in our day and age. I mean, I know, I mean, but let's face it, that's what our flesh wants. Our flesh just wants to do whatever it wants to do. And if we think that that is okay, then the Spirit of God is not residing in us. Really, you know, it's so funny to me, well, maybe not funny, you know, ha-ha, but it just blows my mind. You have these people who think that being able to live in whatever way, shape, or form that I want to live, that's freedom. Little do they know what they're doing is they are wrapping themselves up in chain after chain after chain until it leads to their destruction. But when the sun has set you free, you will be free indeed. Therein lies true freedom. Yeah, but you've got to follow God's laws. Well, but the thing is, my heart has been changed and I want laws because, frankly, if we're honest, God's laws are what's best for us anyway. They are. But I want to get, give some encouragement here. There's another aspect I want to mention here is... You know, we have the Spirit, we walk in obedience, we think the thoughts of Christ, we can follow what the, the law says, but the thing is, we're not perfect at it. And, and so I don't want us to go around and beat ourselves up when we fail, because guess what? You're going to fail. We're all going to fail. And so I point you back to my previous point, there is no condemnation for us, even when we, we fail. Now, we cannot allow our tendency to fail to give us an excuse of, you know, I'm not even going to try, I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm not going to walk in the Spirit, I'm not going to obey. You know, we can't use that as, as an excuse. Because, I mean, according to Paul, here, we read it, right? It's in black and white here. 
you're able to fulfill the righteous requirements of the law, but we can't just say, well, you know, I, I'm, gonna, I'm going to fail, so I'm just going to allow myself to fail. I'm not even going to I'm not even going to try and walk in the Spirit. I'm not going to commune with God to, to learn from Him and grow and become more mature. I, I, you know, just, okay, if I'm going to fail, then I'm, I'm just going to fail. I mean, we have the ability, but I'm, I'm not even going to try. You know, we, we're people of excuses. And it's easy to fall into spiritual laziness. Eh, I'm not even going to try. I fail. I tried. I failed. I'm giving up. Well, Christ never gave up on you. I hope we would never give up on God. We fail. Let's face it. We fail because we've come up with a million excuses to allow ourselves to fail. And I'll tell you what, when it comes to excuses, I mean, I'm king. Oh, I, I can come up with some doozies. You know? I mean, I know I'm... I've been told this a few times by the doctor to eat a little bit more healthy. But I, my mind, I know it's a scary place to be, but my mind works in such a way that I will come up with an excuse why it's okay for me to eat unhealthy. Today is Sunday. Sundays have ice cream in it. You know what? I got to eat ice cream because it's Sunday. Uh, I don't know how. My truck just happened to turn into Culver's where they got greasy burgers and ice cream. I have no idea how my truck got there. Yeah, you had lying to the excuses too, right? I've been, to I've been told, obviously I'm a little out of shape and so I need, I need to exercise. I wake up early in the morning. I have more than enough time. There's no reason for me not to exercise. I'm like, you know what, I really should get up and exercise. Ooh, Facebook. I'm the king of excuses, and that is what we do in our spiritual walk. We, that's what we do on this journey. In a spiritual way, we have become fat and lazy in our spiritual walk. And so we got to stop giving those excuses. Well, you know, I can't really follow God. Well, I know I should be in my Bible more, but I don't have any time. I mean, I have enough time to spend four or five, 20 hours a day on, on TV and, and social media and playing video games and stuff, but I don't have any time for the Bible. I don't have any time for prayer. I don't have any time for God. I don't have any... Yeah. I'm there too. But you know what? Our hearts have been changed. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We have the ability to be obedient. The journey starts at the cross. It continues in obedience. And then I'm going to have to go really quick. So the third is that the journey ends in our glory. You know, when, whenever there's a journey, there's a destination. Bilbo Baggins, he went out on his journey. He was going to the Lonely Mountain. Christian in Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, he was leaving the city of destruction. He was going to the celestial city and there's a destination for our journey as well and and really you could say there are several destinations but it all has to do with the concept of life the flesh leads to death the spirit leads to life and so in one sense we're given spiritual life in the here and now 
It says in verse 10, even though the physical body is dead because of sin, the Holy Spirit gives us life because of Christ's righteousness. So we're spiritually alive even though our bodies are dying. But ultimately it is talking about eternal life, the eternal state, both spiritual and physical. The journey leads to our, spirit, our eternal glorification where we're gonna be given a new physical body and I'm hoping with that new physical body you can eat all the ice cream you want and there's the moral sense as well. You are no longer susceptible to sin. We're given a great promise in verse 11 that the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to our mortal bodies. Just like Jesus died and rose again, we will someday, someday rise again as well and exist with God for all of eternity. And so in one sense, our journey ends at our death. And in another sense, our journey is just kind of beginning at our death because we're going to spend a whole lot more time in eternity than we do on this earth. And so our journey here on earth is kind of a pre preparation, a warm-up for the true journey that's coming later. And so what we do on the journey here on earth is going to affect what our journey is like in eternity because we do know that God will give rewards according to what we have done on our journey here. And so what we do here on this earth will affect what happens in our eternity. Not that we'll be separated from God or anything like that. It's just what it is we're going to be doing. Not that there's anything you know, bad ever going to happen in heaven. I mean, you might be a street sweeper in heaven and you're going to be the most joyous street sweeper that there ever was. I mean, I don't know what God's going to have you do. But I do know this, you'll be rewarded according to your faithfulness here on, on earth. And your faithfulness in, here on earth will lead to a greater reward in the eternal state. And so that's where the journey is going. And knowing that ought to move us and motivate us to greater faithfulness while on this journey. And I hope that it impresses upon us that we want to finish strong. You know what? We, we started the journey with Christ. And so, you know, there might be times in our life when, you know, we haven't, you know, we've kind of gone off road, so to speak, here and there. But I pray we want to, we have this desire to finish strong. You know what? It doesn't matter in my past how often I turn to the left or the right on the path. But you know what? I am going to finish strong. I am going to just head toward Christ with wild abandon from here on out. You know what? My past will no longer define me. What I'm doing from here on out, I want to finish strong for God. I hope that's your desire. I want to close with this thought. Because, you know, the, 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 most books and movies are, are about journeys. I mean, that's the, the hero's journey. That's what stories are all about. And you might think of several different stories, but you know, one I, I kept thinking of as well, not only The Hobbit was The Wizard of Oz. I mean, here you go, Dorothy starts in Kansas, ends up in this fantasy world. She starts on a yellow brick road, which will lead her to the Emerald City, to the wizard, who will hopefully get her back to Kansas. Now, the yellow brick road is filled with trials and hardships and all of that stuff. Let's face it, I'm 50-something years old, and them flying monkeys still creep me out. Whenever I see that, I mean, there's some, there's some bad stuff happening on that yellow brick road, but there's also some friends that they meet. And it's interesting how the journey kind of shaped them into what they should be. 
in the end and what they could be in the end. They, they thought that they were missing this, that, and the other thing, but in the end, they had it all along, but the journey is what had to bring it out. You know, I'm talking about like the scarecrow and, and the tin man and the cowardly lion. It was the journey that helped bring out what they thought where it was lacking. You know, being smart, having the brain, being compassionate, having the heart, having the courage and things like that. And, you know, Dorothy learned that, you know, she should be content with the life that she had. Well, our journey is going to shape us as well. If we don't fight God every, every step of the way, but walk with him in the spirit. And as you go on this journey, you're not there yet, but you're going to become more and more of what you're headed toward, and that's Christ-likeness. And so, Christian, maybe today you're just having problems on this journey, and you want to come to the altar and ask for God's empowerment to help you along this journey. Ask God to lead you and guide you and give you the strength to finish this journey strong. So then you, you, you don't have to look at him and, you know, with shame and regret, but just knowing that you lived for him. But maybe there are some here who have not started the journey quite yet. The journey begins at the cross. God is calling you to this journey. The journey begins at the cross. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will be saved. You will begin this journey. It's the, not only the journey of a lifetime, it is the journey of eternity. And so give your life to Jesus Christ today. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at KidsQuest underscore HBC. Our student ministries on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening and God bless.